Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Banished the Pen podcast. This is the audio component of the website Banished the Pen, a group baseball blog for fans of the Effectively Wild podcast. I am not Ryan Sullivan, the Baron of All Baseball podcast. Uh, I'm Brandon Lee, and I'm here today with Matt Jackson. Hello, Matt. Hey, Brandon. How are you doing? Not bad. Not bad. So, so Matt is our resident Royals fan. So uh, you've you've been feeling pretty good this week, haven't you? Yeah, walking on air. Uh, certainly has. Uh, I've had worse weeks. That's for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. So, so hold on a second. I just I just wanna I just wanna recap for for people out there. You you are a Kansas City Royals fan, but you are from Toronto. And the, uh, yeah, and this this was covered a little bit on uh, on previous podcasts, but I just I just want to do a recap. How how did this happen? How did you become a, a Royals fan in Toronto? Well, uh, the Royals can thank my fan fanship fanship uh, to the to the great George Brett. He um, I wasn't quite young enough to enjoy the prime of his career, but um, I did enjoy him in the late '80s and early '90s. He was my favorite player growing up, and uh, just kind of gravitated towards the Royals as a franchise because of him. So um, they, uh, Royals, the Royals, and, and their franchise can um, thank him for that. They owe it all to him. Well, thanks, George Brett. Uh, thanks, George Brett. You know that's that's good. Uh, okay, so so this the the World Series ended this week, and you know, just take me through, take me through the series. Now, you you previewed the series uh, a couple weeks ago with uh, with Seth and Ryan, um, uh, but we haven't we haven't gotten your takes on the on the games themselves. Take me through like what you thought of as your high point, and then if you had a low point. In the series, a high point where you're like, "Yeah, this is going really great." You feel you feel fantastic about the Royals' chances, and then a low point where you're like, "Oh man, everything's going to start crumbling." Um, sure. So I guess the first high point for me was um, Alex Gordon's home run in the ninth inning of Game One. You know, there was uh, down by one, uh, one out, so they had two outs to go in against um, Uris Familia, who's a pretty formidable closer. Um, really not expecting too much in that situation he's not a not a guy that gives up very many uh, very many runs at all let alone home runs and so um to see alex gordon blast that one and tie the game and send it into extras was um that was definitely the high point of of the series for me and just in terms of emotion i mean uh i wound up staying up pretty late that night i uh the game went until about i want to say about 1 30 um eastern time so uh, that was it was a it was a test of endurance for sure. Um, it was also a fun game for me because I was I, I don't have a lot of Royals fans particularly around me, but um, one of my good friends kind of cheers for the Royals when the Yankees are out, which is which is a little bit bizarre. But um, we skyped throughout the games. We were on Skype for like five hours just watching the game together and talking. And uh, so you know to be able to enjoy that with somebody else, somebody else. Um, everyone in my family was in bed, so being able to enjoy that with somebody was was pretty exciting. Um, and then I, in terms of a low point, and this is going to sound ridiculous, so hopefully I don't get any you know hate mail or tweets over this, but um, after they lost game four uh, to Steven Matz and company, um, you know, I was still a little bit nervous about the, uh, the way the series would end up. They had Harvey and then um, DeGrom and then Syndergaard, and Syndergaard had just looked so good in his game, and uh, DeGrom and Harvey, well, maybe they hadn't pitched, had their best outings um, of the season 
just really expected them to uh, be back on top of their game. And Harvey certainly was in Game 5, so I wouldn't say I was wrong there, but the Royals, you know, as they did in the rest of the playoffs, um, kind of combined talent with a healthy dose of, of good fortune to find, the, find a way to come back and then to win um, Game 5. So, I mean, yeah, the, the best part of the series was, was strike three by Wade Davis to, um, to end out the series, but other than that, I, I would say that Alex Gordon... Um, Ninth inning home run was was one of the one of the more memorable parts of it for me. And uh, you know, if positioned slightly differently in the series, one of the top home runs, uh, playoff home runs ever, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> like as a Canadian, I certainly can appreciate um, Joe Carter's home run to to win the World Series, and that's got to be one of the one of the biggest ones out there but in terms of Kansas City fans that's not one that I think people will soon forget um, there wasn't the Royals didn't exactly have a power outburst during the series I mean Alcides Escobar hit that kind of generously scored home run to open that game oh right the um, inside the parker yeah the, the quote unquote that, inside the parker yeah yeah Cispedes just kicked all the way into left field um, but uh, yeah so the Gordon home run was especially exciting because of the time that it was hit, but also just because the Royals didn't have a lot of uh, didn't have a lot of uh, of home runs in the series at all. Right, right, right. So you you mentioned Game Five, but I wanna I wanna bring us back to Game Five. Um, let's let's go through it a little bit. In uh, you know you see uh, the the Mets the happenings in the dugout with uh, with Harvey and Collins and the pitching coach and what's what's going through your mind right now about about Matt Harvey going back out how are you feeling as a fan um in hindsight you know I think my mom said afterwards that I wasn't going to say but you know pride comes before the fall um and so in hindsight I, I feel a little bit of that but at the time like he was just dealing like he looked unhittable it didn't look like the royals were going to scratch one across in the ninth and i was like okay well this is the royals have had a healthy share of their storylines this world series this is going to be the Mets storyline for the world series it's going to be like matt harvey harvey uh and the no way no way to um dan Worthen, and then you know taking it up the food chain and talking collins into letting him enter the inning so you know when he sprinted like a maniac out of the dugout to take the bump um, in the top of the ninth, I was, you know, I was not feeling too great about it. I just kind of thought, okay, well, you know, uh, Cueto has hit, had his complete game, and, and this will be Harvey's, and, you know, 3-2 is still not a horrible position to be in. I was, you know, I think justifiably concerned to have to beat um, DeGrom and Syndergaard two in a row, but I wouldn't say I'd conceded the game, but pretty close to it. Um, but then, you know, when he walked Lorenzo Kane kind of brought me back to the edge of my seat and I was thinking, well, here we go. It's Royals devil magic coming back. And, uh, and then the, uh, after the Hosmer double, um, you know, my, my mom and I were silently cheering, um, fearing, uh, fearing waking up my daughter, but, uh, we were, we were at that point, we were pretty excited. And then, um, Hosmer taking home, uh, was just, I mean, just one of the, one of the more iconic plays and really emblematic of the Royals season to date. Um, he, and this was one of the, one of the fun things was kind of rehashing this play. And uh, I've heard a lot of takes of people saying that it was pretty smart. And that's the way I felt too. I just didn't feel like um, with two outs, 
that there was going to be a great chance. They, they were going to need a hit to score Hosmer in that situation. So, you know, if you, uh, I think that's a good place to, to, to take a gamble on, you know, it, your World Series victory doesn't depend on this game. You can still win one of the next two. And uh, I think the Royals would have been pretty confident of that. But if you're going to win this game, you're going to have to do something a little bit crazy. Because, again, um, while Familia may have blown his third save on that play, um, he certainly hadn't pitched like a pitcher who had, who, was, uh, who was, you know, in line to blow three saves in a row. He was pitching well, other than the home run he allowed to Gordon, and that's just one swing. Other other than that, he had been he'd been throwing the ball well that series. So, I uh, I thought it was a great place to take that to take home plate and to tie the series up, and um, you know felt pretty good heading into extra innings. I just the Royals hadn't disappointed yet that postseason um, when it came to to coming back in, in those games. We hadn't, we hadn't seen them um, in that situation and, and come short. So I, f- I certainly felt pretty optimistic after that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So take me take take us through extra innings now. Like, there, there are a few innings, like, or a couple innings, uh, you know, nothing's happening. It's one, two, three on one side. It's, you know, one, two, three on the other. Maybe a little, uh, you know, not, not, not much going on, right? Uh, you know, how... How how are you feeling emotionally uh, and or physically, you know, here in the innings between the ninth and the 12th? Um, I think I remember just binge eating Halloween candy. Um, we had bought wait, a bit. wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Sidetrack here, sidebar. What Halloween candy were you binge eating? Uh, it was rocking, we had a mixer pack, so I think it was rocking Crispy Crunch, Wonder Bar, Mr. Big, Caramel, and um, maybe Kit Kat? No, I don't think it was Kit Kat, I can't remember what the fifth one was, but I had a mix, mixer pack of those little ones, so I was, I was just um, throwing those down as fast as I could get them in my mouth. None, um, of, none of those were taken in our Halloween candy draft. Oh, no? I don't think um, so. So well, I guess I'm I'm an outlier when it comes to choosing baseball teams and Halloween candy. Then. <laughs> okay. All right. I just wanted to get that in there. All right. Sure. <laughs> Important okay. point. Yes. Okay. Sidebar over. Back to mainline. Um. Yeah. So, like you said, uh, in the tenth, um, Familia came back out and showed what he can do with a clean inning. Um. And then Hoshevar, which is like. Sorry, how do they say it in the states? It's like Hotchavar or something yeah, like that. I, yeah. I just want to. Like, I feel like it should just be pronounced Hoshvar or something <laughs> like that. Anyway, that's the way I'm going to say it. Hoshvar came out, and uh, and he, you know, it was great to see him back this series, series and back this season and getting a chance to you know appear in such high leverage spots in the game. So yeah, he came out and he retired the um, batters uh, one, two, three in the tenth as well, and then. Um, uh, John Neese, yeah, John Neese came out in the 11th, and um, and uh, was it Hosmer single? Got it, yeah. So Hosmer hit a single, um, but then Mike Moose, Mike Mustakas couldn't cash him in, and then uh, Hoshevar had uh, faced four batters in the in the bottom of the 11th. So you know, there's a little bit of action, but not feeling like um, nothing that was too uh, nothing that really got the heart rate up in those innings and then came the top of the 12th oh the 12th yes. yeah take us through the 12th sure so um 
Addison Reed, John Neese had been, for the most part, um, giving the Royals fits during the series. I was calling him um, more of a flat-faced Wade Davis because he was coming out and he was he was looking good. Like he was he looks like a candidate that could move to the back of a bullpen um, and you know probably save his shoulder a little bit and just throw gas and get guys out. So he um, seeing him come into the game, I wasn't too upset about that. And Addison Reed just isn't a pitcher that. I think too many people would fear, and I th- well, other than Mets fans, maybe I don't know how happy they were to see him out on the mound. <laughs> which, which is not a good, which is not a good feeling to have in the top of the twelfth in a in a possible elimination game in the World Series. Yeah, so uh, Salvador Perez came up, and um, he had had a great series, but I, he's just a guy that I've never really had a ton of confidence in the plate. Um, one of the first articles that I wrote was um, for Beyond the Box Score, which is about how um, with one of the indicators of fatigue is swinging at pitches outside of the zone. And he's one of the guys that swings at the most pitches outside of the zone. Um, I think just second to Pablo Sandoval over the last couple of years. And he had also you know, come off another, seri- another series season with a ton of work, and he was getting beat up behind the plate all playoffs long. So I wasn't necessarily... Um, I wasn't necessarily too optimistic with him coming up to bat, but then he um, hits a soft fly ball to right, uh, falls in for a hit, and then Dyson comes in to replace him. I'm thinking, okay, no outs, Dyson on first. This is this is what we need. And then Dyson, you know, pretty quickly takes second, um, and then advances to third um, on a Alex Gordon ground out, and then Christian Cologne comes in. And we haven't seen Christian Cologne for a while, um, but still pretty fresh in the mind was his game tying hit in the wild card game the season before and and so, cologne cologne was drafted in front of chris sale is that right he was oh, a, yeah. he was the pick ahead of chris sale right uh yeah he was um that was the draft where um it's kind of who was it somebody else in um manny machado came off the board first uh, gotcha, and then yeah the royals were just kind of sitting there like oh guess we'll take this fairly polished, low upside shortstop from UC Santa Barbara. So it wasn't, even at the time of the draft, nobody was really expecting too much of it. But, I mean, he has earned his money with the Royals based on just a few postseason pinch hitting appearances. So, um, you know, he comes in and he hits that line drive to left field and Dyson comes around to score um, because Dyson is crazy fast. And, I mean, uh, there wasn't really much of it, I think, Maybe even Kendris Morales would have scored on that one. Um, but uh, and it's 3-2. And at that point, you know, starting to feel pretty good about things. You got Wade Davis, who's um, going to be coming in to pitch the bottom of the inning. And so you're just thinking, okay, so we've got, we've got, we've got a pretty good chance here. Definitely not feeling overly confident, um, but feeling pretty good about the situation. But, uh, but then the floodgates open. And then the floodgates open, and all hell broke loose on the mound for Addison Reed. Um, and so, uh, well, first, uh, Daniel Murphy. And at the beginning of the series, um, like he was one of the players that, um, you know, he'd been swinging such a hot bat um, the previous two series. That he was somebody that you were you figured you're going to really have to keep an eye on in that series. And it turns out um, that it was keeping an eye on him in defense because he was just um, he was just really not playing great. Uh, a great second base, and uh, I mean, you really—I kind of had to feel for the guy to have made as many errors as he made. At least he had some teammates picking him up in that department with David Wright um, making errors, and and you know, um, uh, and uh, Yuena Cespedes playing center field like he was on roller skates. Um, but uh, so 
Murphy makes the error, and then es- Alcides Escobar doubles and drives um, Christian Colon in, and then uh, they walk Ben Zobris, and the bases are loaded, and then Lorenzo Kane, who I have decided is going to be um, the the subject of my new Royals jersey. He'll be the guy on the back of it. Um, Good choice. Good choice. Yeah, I, it was kind of I was going to let the World Series decide, but I think I think Kane, I think I'm going to be a Kaniac. Um, uh-huh. Then then Kane doubles and uh, and drives a three in Orlando Escobar and Zobrist, and you know up seven two, giving the ball to Wade Davis, feeling pretty good. Like at that point, I was I was I was pulling out my acceptance speech and I was ready to deliver it. Nice. So. So take us through take us through the bottom of the twelfth. How how are you feeling at the bottom of the twelfth? You know you you have a big lead right now. It's five runs, but you know nothing in in baseball nothing is ever over until it's over, right? And even even with two outs and two strikes, like the the ever, the wheels can just fall off, right? Yeah, so, definitely. So take me through take me through the take us through the twelfth. How are you the bottom of the twelfth? How are you feeling? Um, so I guess first off, I remembered that Sal Perez was out of the game um, for the um, pinch runner uh, for Gerard Dyson, who pinch ran from him in the top of the inning, and that I'm instantly a little bit sad <laughs> that he's not going to be the guy that's running out um, to congratulate Wade Davis and the rest of the team at the end of that inning. Um, you know, uh, should they be fortunate enough to go on and win it? Um, I'm a little bit, you know, he's just been such a workhorse and he's gotten beat up so bad behind the plate. Um, over this season, it really, um, it just seemed wrong that Drew Buchero was back there. But, um, you know, Davis strikes out um, Duda and Darno, um, both swinging. Uh, but uh, Darno, I mean, was with a loaded count, so things were getting a little bit close there. And then Conforto, who had just, he'd been the hero of Game 4 with his two home runs, um, hits a single to left uh, to left field. And, you know, you know. Two outs, one on, uh, not feeling too badly. No need for blood pressure medication or anything like that. Breathing exercises to get through that, and then um, and then Davis closes out on on strikes, and the gloves fly up into the air, and just watching everybody mob each other um, was just, I mean, it was just a really satisfying feeling. I, been the messages were kind of started pouring in there at that time to um, texts and Facebook messages and tweets of um, you know friends that knew that I was a Royals fan that had just kind of but just been saying congratulations to long suffering fan base and you've watched a lot of really really bad baseball um, and and it was nice to you know um, even Jays fans that I knew were kind of sending on their regards so it was just uh, it was just a, a a really nice evening. Outstanding. And and you're right, the everlasting image of the Kansas City Royals winning the 2015 World Series is Drew Butera running to the bound. Yeah, and I think on Twitter I had volunteered to Photoshop Sal Perez's face um, onto <laughs> Drew Butera's body for that shot. Because um, I think that's the way everybody's going to remember it anyway in a couple of years. So Drew Butera, was a, he was a fine backup catcher. Uh, maybe no... Eric Kratz, but uh, he, he 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 didn't. He kind of he was kind of one of those guys that you could pretty easily forget was on the team because he just played so little. Um, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna choose. Um, uh, what's the line from Inception? That's a truth that I'll choose to forget or something. <laughs> um, I'm just gonna I'm gonna choose to remember that Sal Perez was the one um, in Wade Davis's ample ample arms. 
Right. So, so okay. So, World Series ends on Sunday night slash Monday morning, I think, depending on where you are, right? Um, yep, Monday morning. Monday for morning. Us. Yeah. And then you know that the parade is happening on Tuesday. That was, I believe, announced over the weekend. Um, in the in the event that the Royals won on Sunday, then the parade would be on Tuesday. Um, what what transpired for you in the in the sort of two or day really between the uh, Royals winning the series and the parade itself? Sure. Um, so as I mentioned before, um, I watched uh, the Saturday and Sunday games with my mom um, because my wife was out of town. She um, travels a fair amount for work, and she was she happened to be in in Paris, France uh, at the time, and she would be coming back on Wednesday afternoon. Um, and so my mom came down from Ottawa to give a little bit of a hand around the house, which was really great um, because you never know, like kids, 13-month-olds get sick all the time. And, and the last time I'd been at home um, watching my daughter by myself, I'd had to miss quite a few days of work. So it was really nice for her to be down and, and get to spend some time with her granddaughter too. Um, and she kind of said right away, she's like, well, you know, you can go to the parade if you want. And I kind of just I laughed a little bit. I said, ah, no, that's fine. Um, I We've got lots to do around here, so uh, I probably won't do that. She said, okay, well, you know, the offer's out there if you want to go to the parade. And I said, okay, cool. Um, and then the next morning, I was um, just kind of chatting with my wife a little bit when I was at work, and she was saying, so are you going to go to the parade? And I said, whoa, oh, really? Are you sure? Um, that's that's cool. And she said, yeah, yeah, it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. You should, you should go if you can. And so I... I it's like, okay, well, it's starting to look like maybe I'll go to the parade. And this is around 11 in the morning, um, Eastern. And then uh, I talked to my boss, and she said, uh, I just kind of ran past her. I was like, oh, you know, I don't have anything um, due at the end of this week. I could probably, um, I could probably take a couple of days off and uh, without, you know, hurting my productivity too much. And she said, yeah, for sure. Um, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity was kind of what everybody was saying. Uh, so I... Around noon, I decided that I was going to go to the parade. So I, um, I write for Royals Review on the SB Nation, um, on SB Nation, and I uh, send out a message to the to the guys and girls that uh, write for that site, just saying like, "Hey, uh, looks like there's about a 50% chance I'm going to come to the parade. Does anybody have somewhere I can crash?" And the managing editor, uh, Max, sent me a message and was like, "Yeah, for sure. We've got a futon here." Um, you're more than welcome to it. So at that point, I started looking into flights, and those were going to be about $1,000, and the timeline was going to be really tough um, to get there in time and then and get back um, pretty early. The flights would have had me coming in, I think, around 10 a.m., and the parade started at noon, and I just wasn't feeling like that would give me enough time to clear customs. So I ended up uh, renting a car um, at around 1. I got the car around 2, and then I left Toronto around... Um, 2.30 in the afternoon. Um, and it's about a 15-hour drive to Kansas City. It's a 1,000 miles. So, um, yeah, I just basically stopped only for gas. Um, I crossed the border at Detroit around 6.30 p.m., uh, and then I just... I did t- originally intended to sleep somewhere um, along the side of the road uh, between, um, you know, Toronto and Kansas City just to catch a few hours sleep because... Driving overnight, I, I like driving, but driving overnight's a little bit of a, a test, but it just didn't ever really quite get to the point where I was sufficiently tired to sleep. I felt like I could push on, so I got to Kansas City around um, 5.30 in the morning, 
our time, 4.30 Central. And uh, I didn't want to wake Max and his family up, so I just uh, I just parked out in front of his house. Um, I brought a blanket with me. I covered myself up, so I just looked like laundry, and I slept for a few hours in the back seat of my car. Incredible. Uh, so, so you're in Can. So you just drove a thousand miles to Kansas City, and all. So in the aftermath of the parade, all I know is that it was pandemonium. You know, take take me through uh, the day. Uh, you're you're asleep in the car. You wake up. What you know? Take take us through the parade. Sure. Um, so once I figured it was a you know sufficiently uh, once I knew Max and his family were definitely awake, I kind of knocked on the door and I met him in the flesh and um, we hung out for a little bit and then we headed out down to take a to take a they had shuttle buses running so we we went down to the shuttle bus stop and we waited for about two hours and there were maybe three buses came really early on and then just none like there were no buses running at all um, so we started getting you know a little bit more concerned and max said well let's just drive we'll, we'll see if we can find a parking spot so we drove um, down just to the outskirts of the downtown area and people were parked like anywhere and everywhere up on lawns sidewalks um People were, um, you know, parked. People were parked at the police station on the grass there. Like people did not care at all for any municipal bylaws that existed in the metro Kansas City area. Um, so we ended up finding a, you know, slightly illegal, not too illegal parking spot, um, maybe a mile, mile and a half away from downtown. And we just started walking, um, and kind of we come over a hill. I'm not sure what streets we were on or anything. I was. Not a ton of preparation had gone, to, gone into any of this on my part. Just kind of got in the car and left. Um, so we, we're coming into the downtown area and coming down a hill. Um, and you can see there's quite a few people. And I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, this isn't as crazy as I thought it would be. I, this looks like a pretty manageable situation. And then uh, I was told that, no, no, this is just like, this is actually, we're quite far away from Union Station where the rally was going to be held. We need to, you know, take a couple more turns in other streets to get down there. I was like, oh, okay. Um, and so we finally kind of come around a corner, which leads to this kind of open area in front of Union Station. And it is insane. There's just, you know, the number of people that were there looked fake. I thought I was looking at a green screen um, scene from a movie where they just superimpose, like, copy and paste it one person um, 800,000 times. And uh, at that point, it became pretty clear that we were not going to get to the front of the stage at Union Station or even to the War Memorial, um, where we had planned on meeting with other writers from Royals Review and, and some of the commenters there to have, uh, you know, a bit of a meetup for the, for the event. Um, we, you know, I'm fairly thin. Actually, I'm painfully thin. So, like, turning sideways, I could kind of slip through the crowd to a certain point, and then there just wasn't any moving. And, in fact, there was a lot of people that were trying to get out of there and, and saying, like, don't don't go in there. It's a bad scene. You do not want to go into the middle of that. Um, there were people coming out with, like, um, like two-month-old babies strapped to their chest who were just, who were just like, and you look at them and you're just like, that... That, I, I, I love the passion, I love the intensity, um, but that seems like a really bad decision. People are coming out with, like, one guy was had a double stroller with kids, and he was just not moving anywhere. People in wheelchairs were trying to get out, um, be pushed out by their caregivers, and just like, what are, what are you doing? Why are you, why would you put yourself in that position? But uh, people were just so jacked up about it um, that 
you know, everybody just had to be at Union Station to see it all go down. Um, I was told the population of Metro Kansas City is somewhere between 400,000 and 500,000 people. And the estimates were that there were about 800,000 people in that downtown core that's certainly not um, built or designed to handle that kind of um, that kind of um, influx of, of residents. Um, so things were pretty crazy, but the great thing was that everybody was just there to have a good time. Um, I saw very few confrontations and the ones that I saw were pretty like just, you know, people that were frustrated, they couldn't get where they're going and maybe um, lashed out a little bit at somebody else, but I didn't see any fights. I think the reports were that there were only three arrests that day. Um, it seems like everybody stayed fairly safe. I mean, there were some, uh, certainly some health incidents that I saw, people um, that were, you know, maybe having a little bit of a panic attack um, based on the crowds. I saw um, a couple of people throw up, um, maybe for similar reasons, but for the most part, everyone was just really, um, really stayed safe. And then, and then everyone filtered out of there at the end of the rally, um, pretty, you know, pretty calmly and, and things really returned to normal pretty quickly or like what I assume normal is in Kansas City pretty quickly. Nice. So, so Johnny Gomes, Johnny Gomes, tell me about Johnny Gomes. <laughs> I think this is the whole reason that they signed him or that they traded for him was just <laughs> to make sure that um, in the event that they had to have, a, they were going to have a World Series um, rally that he would be there. Um, just like I, he just seems like America to me. He had himself wrapped in the flag and he was um, walking around and like pounding the butt of the flag on the stage and um, he just seems to be made for that moment. Um, and so he kind of he kind of stole the show despite not um, appearing on any of the playoff rosters. He was the focus um, at least of the highlights that I saw at the ceremony, um, and and he was perfect. And um, you know, I, if he has a if he has a big league. If he's a big leaguer next year, uh, I look forward to whoever trades for him at the deadline um, going to the World Series and winning it all again. Because I could, uh, I could definitely handle seeing his act on that stage again. Incredible. And then after that comes the the long drive back home. Or no, you you went out with the Royals Review folks, right? Yeah. So I met up with a few of the writers um, from Royals Review. Um, they took me to a couple different bars, and and we um, we celebrated and had a really good time. It was awesome to meet uh, them in the flesh. Um, it was yeah, it was just they're people that I you know consider internet friends. Like and getting to meet your internet friends and realizing that they're you know they're actually pretty cool people, um, and they're people that you really enjoy hanging out with was was a lot of fun. So we just you know just gave each other a lot of hugs and just every couple minutes somebody would remind you or you'd remind somebody else like hey you know the royals won the world series this year and then we just relived it all over again uh and again and again and we weren't you know we weren't worrying about um about zobrist or um gordon or uh cueto or any of that stuff we were just you know it was really it just seemed like a really pure um celebration everyone was just everyone was just in a really good mood and and ready to enjoy an off season and a next season as World Series champs. And, you know, entering the season, I was on the podcast um, heading into the season, and I, I did not see big things for this team. I I, I think I said that... Um, you, you were in line with Pakoda. 
I was a Pakoda. I'm a Pakoda man. I'm I'm a mouthpiece, a mouthpiece for the projection systems, and uh, I didn't. I just didn't expect them to make any noise. I thought the Indians were going to be really good. Um, I thought Detroit would be really good again. I, I saw them maybe a little bit better than um, Chicago White Sox, and and definitely better than the Twins. But I mean, the if you want to if you want to see um, baseball laugh, show them your projections, I guess, because um, things just did not turn out. As expected at all, and even you know entering the playoffs, I con- con- consistently reminded myself that you know it takes a lot of luck to get to the World Series, and they made it there last year, and they came within you know uh, 90 feet of tying up Game Seven, and that was just to get to that point was what seemed like so much required so much fortune, even though they um, didn't, even though they won all the games going into the World Series, um, they still had a lot of late. Late-inning heroics, and then they just doubled down on it this year. Um, I think uh, just the number of kind of good bounces, well-timed errors by the other team, um, sequencing of events—that that's the stuff that you need to get to the World Series. And I really haven't minded everyone saying how lucky the Royals are. And there's it's kind of fun to watch the Royals turn heel a little bit in this postseason because. Um, it's fun to root for a team that people care about and, you know, just to have people, you know, talking a little bit of trash on your team um, instead of just getting that, like, condescending pat on the head and saying, like, you, you, your triple-A team um, is playing in the major leagues. You should just enjoy that. It's it's fun. So I'm enjoying – I enjoyed, um, you know, the reactions on Twitter and, and everything kind of – pointing out how lucky the Royals had to be because I really think that any team needs that measure of luck. Maybe not quite as much, but I think any team that wins a World Series uh, needs a, a significant measure of good fortune to do it. Absolutely. Uh, to to close out here, Matt, I think the one thing that I want to ask you, other than the World Series, and I guess other than the playoffs too, is there a defining moment for this season is there one thing that you can go back to during the regular season and say that you know this is when this is the moment that you'll remember from the regular season um i don't i think like one of the um the one of the things that'll really stick with me it might be because i'm a new dad um is just you know seeing uh, just how well the team supported Mike Moustakis and Chris Young um, when they lost their parents, and then Edison Volquez in the playoffs. Um, I think, you know, I'm, I'd am i consider myself a pretty staunch supporter of sabermetrics and, and you know, really looking at analytical um, measures and, and kind of really enjoying the game that way, the, the numbers that we feel um, can well explain what we're seeing on the field. But I think... Um, this season really, um, it the Royals winning challenged. I think Jeff Sullivan wrote about how it really made him question everything that he um, he thought he knew about baseball and the way teams won. And I, well, I, like I, I wouldn't say that for me, one team having as much success as they've had over the last year and a half has challenged what I think fundamentally drives winning baseball. I think it did kind of bring me back to you know appreciating that they are still people um, that teammates supporting each other does matter um, that there are 
the soft skills um, or the soft um, kind of qualitative things that are uh, impact all of our lives also impact their lives. And so um, I, I think just I'll remember um, that just, you know, I found it, the stuff that Moustakis and, and uh, Chris Young, they gave an interview, they gave an interview um, during the playoffs, I think. And there were some pieces in the, in the Kansas city star, just talking about how they felt about their parents and how their teammates supported them. And I think that's going to be one of the things that really sticks with me because it's it's rare to hear about a player losing a family member um, during the regular season and to hear about th- that happened three times and just you know um, really just brought me back to the human element of the game and it's something I I guess I appreciated in a certain way just um, you know seeing how they support each other and, and just seeing a little bit more of the locker room dynamics through that. Outstanding. All right, Matt, I think we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, where can people find you on the interwebs? Um, so they can follow me on Twitter at Jack Santagu. It's J-A-C-K-S-O-N-T-A-I-G-U. Um, or they can go to um, Beyond the Box Score or uh, Royals Review to read my writings on um, Sabermetrics and, and the Royals, respectively. Fantastic, and you're you're always lurking in the uh, effectively wild Facebook group as well. That's true. Yes, I, you can find me there as well, and uh, and enjoying, uh, really enjoying, uh, banish the pen um, at the same time. Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you, thank you, Matt, and uh, that'll do it for this edition of the Banish to the Pen podcast. Uh, I'm Brandon Lee, and uh, signing off for now. And uh, oh, and always, always remember, be nice to your fellow listeners. I do my best. Thanks a lot, Brandon.